Okay, so we do have a handout, and if, so Pat, yeah, if you want to hand out that first one, or all of them, I guess. Um, the first handout, so we have um, some blanks. It's, it says at the top, praying for the lost handout. Yeah, Ron? Sure. And Pat, um, Ron wants a handout up there too. Okay, so um, last week I, I talked about the fact that um, a lot of people in, in, in uh, reaching out the gospel, a lot of people pray in unbiblical ways uh, with uh, praying for the lost. Um, now, God takes care of our prayer, right? Because it's the Holy Spirit who intercedes for us, right? But um, we want to pray as biblically as, as possible um, to be in line with what the Lord says. So um, that's what the topic is tonight. I, I like to tell the story when I'm going through discipleship about prayer and how it's important to be specific when you pray. When I was a young father... Uh, my little boys would um, play on this fort that we built for them. And uh, there was this dog in the neighborhood. It was, it was like a, it was a white, it was like a cross between a German shepherd and something else. It was a huge dog, and it was mean. And so um, my wife would call me and say, I'm worried about you know, the boys, and because this dog would chase the boys, and they were like, I don't know, three, three, five, and seven, something like that. And she couldn't go out to get them because this dog would basically try to bite them and, and, and get them. And they were little boys up on this fort. And so as a, as a dad, I was like, I don't have the money for a fence. And, and so my wife would call me at work or we'd talk about it and what are we going to do? And we don't have the money and uh, we're going to pray. So we were going to pray that God would give us a fence. So we commenced with praying, and, and I, was, I was praying, Lord, give us a fence. I, don't, I, I want to protect my, my boys. Give us a fence. So after praying for a while, um, one day I went out there, and there was a fence. Just all of a sudden, there was a fence. And um, the fence was around the neighbor's house who had the dog. It wasn't around my fence. Um, so all I did was pray for a fence and God gave me a fence. He just put it in the other person's yard, not my yard. Now I learned how to pray specifically and I learned to pray, God, give me a fence in my yard with the next house. And that's what I did. So God answered my prayer, uh, but I wasn't specific at all, uh, you know, with that. Now God used his money to build the fence. So that worked well, but, uh, it's, it's good to be specific when, when you pray. So prayer is what we're talking about, but really um, we, we need to think about what does the Word of God have to do with how we pray. So God's equipped his servants, his redeemed of the Lord with two powerful weapons, and all we need to, en- to engage in his mission to declare his uh, message, his gospel to the lost. So those two weapons are the Word of God and prayer. Our, our power and our victory as the church of the living God is realized and manifested through two 
spiritual tools or weapons in the spiritual battle of life. And that's the word of God and prayer. You know, it, it's, it's really about Christ living in you and through you, which is mightily realized through you being immersed in the word of God and prayer. But listen to me carefully. It's not about your knowledge of the word of God. It's about your love for his word. If, if you read through the book of uh, Psalms, and especially uh, Psalm 119, it was David's love for the word of God and the, the love um, of God. It was his attitude of heart towards the word of God. So, again, it's not about your knowledge of the Word of God, but your love for the, the Word of God, capital W. Who's the capital W Word of God? Jesus Christ, right? John 1.1. 1, 1. But also His Word, His voice to us uh, through Scripture and love for spending time with Him in prayer. Not what is said or the amount of time in prayer. And so it's the attitude of heart and the love for Him that is the key. You know, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, it doesn't talk about the amount of things, but it says of what sort it is, right? It's gold, silver, and precious stones. It's, it's what kind it is. And that's what we should be about. We should be about the work uh, that God has us to be about. And so it is about um, what we're doing, not really the amount. God... God will multiply the the fishes and the loaves. That's up to him, but we should be about his work. Now, we know that Hebrews 4.12 says that the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, of the joints and marrow, and is the discern of the thoughts and the tents of the heart. So we know how powerful the word of God is. It's it's, um, a powerful weapon that God has given us. Um, it's an amazing weapon. We're going to talk about the fact um, that God has entrusted us with the Word of God um, that God has used throughout all of time and even before time. Uh, the other piece is, is um, prayer. And so I quoted the verse last week, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So those two things, and if you think about it, the armor of God, which we'll talk about, uh, in Ephesians 6, you have in each, each hand um, of the armor, you have the shield, um, and you have um, the word of God, and um, the activity that the person is doing with that armor is praying. And so we'll look at that in a few minutes. One last point before we dig in is that sometimes people also have um, a misplaced motivation for witnessing so um, sometimes their motivation is i just want to get more rewards in heaven okay we will get rewards in heaven but that's not our primary motivation it's not about a cosmic video game that we're playing here Um, so the primary motivation must be your love for the lord jesus christ that as many as possible will receive and follow him as Savior and Lord of their lives. If you think of the disciples and the Apostle Paul, they loved the Lord and they wanted as many to know him because they loved the Lord. They wanted to bring him the greatest glory. So, how do we pray for the lost? 
I want to start with a question. And so this isn't a rhetorical question. I want you to answer me here. So um, where in the Bible does it tell us to pray for the lost? Where does it specifically tell us or command us, even give us example to pray for the lost? Ron? Nowhere. <laughs> That's exactly right. It doesn't. Okay, so and on your handout, we have the blanks here. So the word of God and prayer. And so under two, so how do we, we pray biblically for the lost? Where in the Bible does it tell us to pray for the lost? And the blank is, it does not. It doesn't tell us to pray for the lost. Now, a lot of people will go, why? We'll get to that later. I have some some surmisings on that. The Bible doesn't tell us why, but I have some ideas on that. But before we get to that, let's start with what the Bible actually does say about prayer in relation to the lost. So that's what we're going to look at. So what does the Bible actually say about prayer in relation to sharing the gospel? First reference is, is Matthew 9, 37 through 38. You have it on your handout, but if you want to turn there, Matthew 37 through 38, Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. Pray ye the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. So in your blank there, Jesus told us to pray that he will send forth, so send forth laborers into his harvest. Send forth laborers into his harvest. Okay, notice that it's, it's his harvest, not our harvest. So God takes care of the results. It's his harvest. And, and he is working things out with all of his laborers. Sometimes we feel compelled that we have to be the one that, that forces a decision on this person. No. God is the one who brings the sower. He brings the one to water. And he brings the one to, to harvest. Now, we should try to come to a point of action for the person. And I'm not saying that. But understand, it's the Lord that does the work, not us. It's his harvest, not ours. Notice that he says that he will send forth laborers. And what does the Lord Jesus Christ tell us to do? We're supposed to be praying for the laborers to go. So that's what we should be doing. Lord, send forth laborers to the lost. Whether it be your your dad, your neighbor, your co-worker, relative, pray that the Lord would send forth laborers. That might be you, it may be somebody else. So that's the first point, and, and uh, the first um, passage that we have in Scripture. So that's what Jesus had to say about it, and I went to the Lord first, uh, which encompasses the, the principles that we'll see um, a little bit. So now turn to Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to be looking at the right after the armor of God. 
So for time's sake, we're not going to read about the armor of God, but I want to make a point here with the armor of God. I know that Pat touched on it last week, and he was going through the armor. And when, when I've studied the armor before, you know what's interesting about the armor? Where, where in Scripture does it first start when, when it describes the armor? Does it start with the head? No. He starts with the loins girt about in, in truth, right? Okay, so it starts with the loins. So in verse 14, stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness. And then it, um, it, it goes down, um, it goes up the breastplate of righteousness and down to the feet. And then the shield of faith and then the helmet and then the sword. So you ever, have you ever seen this before? Because it's the shape of a cross. Okay, here, down, and then across. So that when he goes through the armor, most people would start with a helmet and work down, but he starts in the middle, goes up, goes down, and then comes across. It's the shape of a cross. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Oh, it was to me. So, <laughs> um, But you put on all the armor... And then verse 18, what's the activity, the warfare that you're doing? It's prayer. So in verse 18, and we're going to go to verse 20, praying always with all prayer. I don't know what else you pray for. Uh, praying, with all, uh, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints, and for me that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in the bonds, in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. So there are different parts that we um, are going to look at, and they're each divided, each point is divided by the word that. So the first point in prayer. Uh, so what Paul's, uh, what, what's being commanded here, or not commanded, but what's being asked, I should say. So we're talking about prayer and how do you pray, um, especially in the sake of the loss, which is what's being talked about here, because it says we're an ambassador. And it starts with that utterance may be given. So that's what we're looking here with, with B, that utterance may be given. What's utterance? It's a voice. It's words. Um, it's literally the word logos, which is word. Now, what's amazing about that is we're supposed to pray for the word, that God would give us the word. Now, what's amazing to me is God wants us to use his, his word that was used in creation, used throughout all time, and it's going to be used in the last judgment, and God's entrusted us with that word to go forth and participate in his mission. It's always been the word, and he's given that to us to go forth and speak. But the first thing is that utterance may be given unto me, that God would give me something to say. And that's a lot of times when people talk to me about witnessing, they're like, I don't know what to say. Pray about it. God will give you the word to say. Now, we should be studying his word and putting this in our mind. And so, 
um, having this in the bank so God can pull it out and then give us his word that he wants. But he'll give us what to say. The second that, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. So one, you get a word, and, and that's where we should be praying ahead of time that God gives us from his word a word to say, that he, he gives us an utterance, something to, to say. But then there's a point where you have to open your mouth. Have you ever had it when you're witnessing where you're like, I wish I opened my mouth, but I missed the opportunity, right? And you just don't open your mouth. Why? Because you're not being bold. And so we need to pray for bold, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. And that is uh, to unveil the gospel, the gospel, to make it clear, to make it known. Um, that boldness is what we need. You talked about being courageous. This is the same idea with boldness, and you touched on it last week, but that fear is, is compensated. God gives us boldness when we pray for that, that I may open my mouth boldly, so open the mouth, and then third, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. So give me the word in my brain, in my heart, open my mouth, And then let me speak as I ought to speak. That's what we should be praying about. And praying for others who are going. You know, Romans 10, 17. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That God would give us utterance, the word. Um, You know, John 1, 1. It's it's the word that, that God gives us. But then that we can open our mouth boldly. To, to, to really um, counter that fear that we have. Uh, you know, I, uh, people would, would tell me, well, you're the guy that, that goes out witnessing in the streets, and you must really like that. No, I don't. I especially don't like going door to door. I would rather be out in the middle of a sidewalk or a street out with people than going door to door. I don't know why, but... Do I still go to door to door? Yeah, I still go door to door. But what I found in both cases, I have to drag my feet there and then pray that God would open my mouth. And then when I do, every time I come back and I'm praising God uh, because of the experience, because he's allowed me to share the gospel. But I have to pull the flesh there um, and crucify the flesh. But then coming back out of that, um, I'm dragging my feet. I'm skipping usually on the way out, not literally, but um, because God gives me joy in that. But every time uh, I, I fight that fear, I, I fight all the things that everybody else talks about. So the last thing it says, for which I am an ambassador, where in the God puts us, puts us in the place we are. His church, we are His hands and feet, we are um, His mouth to, to share. But it says an ambassador in bonds. We are bound to Christ when we have received Him as Savior and Lord. We're bound. Uh, that's what we're here for is to be an ambassador. But it says that I therein may speak boldly as I ought to speak. And say, okay, God, I'm going to pray you give me a word. I'm going to pray that you open my mouth. 
and then I'm going to pray that I speak boldly and say what you want me to say. Right? And a lot of people think it is all about having some clever thing that you could share with somebody and, you know, counter some question that a person has. The power's not here. The power's in the Word of God. That's going to do the work. And so, God, give me your word to speak to the person because that's what's going to change the person's heart and mind, not my clever little logic that I'm going to try to shift the person, you know, in what he or she's thinking. Okay, now I need to go quickly, I know. On the, the last point about uh, the last passage where, where this is mentioned of how do we pray in relation to the loss is Colossians chapter 4 and verse 2. You have it on your, your sheet there, it's on the back side. Well, it, yeah, it's on the back side in the middle of the page. Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving with all also for us that God would open unto us, now this time it's a little bit different, a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in bonds. So here it adds a door of utterance. And this is what I pray for is God just give me a little door that I, I can bring you up. And I found time and again when I'm praying for it and trusting God for it, it comes up. I get a door. Now that person can shut the door. That's up to them. But God gives me a door, especially when I'm praying for it. Give me a door of utterance that I can I can speak. So uh, the blank here in E is that God would open unto us a door of utterance. The blanks are really hard. The answers are right by it there. Um, and F, that I may make manifest, make it known as I ought to speak. I may make it manifest. So make it known. Make known who you are. And that's what we need to be praying about. God, make it so I can make you known, that I can make the gospel manifest and understood as I ought to speak. These are parallel passages. And putting both together, we have a puzzle of how to pray for the lost. It says then, walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt. So that's how we should be doing it, right? We, we should have some salt that we're sprinkling. As we're going about a life, we should be putting some salt out there, uh, some scripture, um, talking about the testimony of what God is doing in our lives. Put those things out there. But then the last point is this, that ye may know how you ought to answer every man. Not that you're going to have the exact perfect um, argument to say to the person, but that you have the answer that God wants you to say. That ye, know, uh, that ye may know how you ought to answer every man. And that would be according to what God wants you to say. Not what you think you should say, or you think they want to hear, but what you ought to say uh, from the Lord, and pray that God would give you what you ought to say to answer every man. So continue in, in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving with all, also for us, that God would open a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, that's one, that I may make manifest as I ought to speak, and that ye may 
that you may know how you ought to answer every man. So we really have, if we put all of this together, there are about seven things that we, if we want to pray biblically, what we should do. We should pray that God would send forth laborers. God, for my, uh, and I have a long list of people, but for my coworker, for my neighbor, for uh, people that God puts in my life and I, I have a burden, Lord, send forth your church, your laborers unto them. That's what he told us to pray for. Second, that utterance would be given. Lord, give me your word. And, and third, to make known the hidden truth of the gospel, to make it manifest, to speak boldly, that there would be a door of utterance, a door that opens up that I can, I can uh, and you wait for it and watch for it, and God gives it to you. You're, you're trusting him for it, to make it manifest, to see, uh, seen or known, and to know how to answer every man, every man. And so there you have it. That's what the Bible says about how we should pray. Paul instructs us. And how does he do that? He says, this is how you should pray for me when I'm witnessing. And we can follow that pattern in our own lives. Now, the last thing is, is the fact that you should pray that the Lord would send you, right? Um, in, in Isaiah 6, 8, also I heard a voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I, here I am, send me. So we should pray forth laborers, but say, when you pray, say, Lord, send me too. I want to be a laborer too. But sometimes I have people in Iowa I'm praying for. I can't be around them because I'm five hours, you know, five hours away from them. So I'm praying that God would send forth laborers, his church, when I can't be there. And if I'm there, Lord, send me. Um, and God does. God does. So the problems that we've talked about before or you think about or that people say, well, the problem of fear, it's just so hard. And it is. It is a fearful thing because it's a spiritual battle and you're fighting all the, the spiritual stuff that we can't see that is going on. So that's a real thing, fear. But how is it countered? It's countered with the ability to pray for boldness. Secondly, the problem of what to say. Well, I just don't know what to say. Pray for it. It's countered with the ability to pray for utterance. And the problem of a way to bring in Christ is countered with the ability to pray for a door of utterance. I hear those things all the time. I'm afraid. I don't know what to say. I, I, I don't know how to bring it up. Pray for those things. And God will answer those prayers because he's laid it out in scripture and he says, just pray those things. Now, one thing, and I want to keep it short because I'm, I'm now into Pat's time and I'll have to pay him money because I'm into his time, but um, uh, why does God not l command us to pray for the lost? Just real quick. So this is just my, this just me thinking about it for a number of years. So I, this is what I believe, um, as I've thought about. I believe that God provides a door and circumstances for people, but he will not force their heart to change. Our God is not a dictator. And so he provides opportunities 
And in my own life, I had many opportunities before I came to the Lord. Many people came to me. I believe it was my mom praying for me before she died at a young age. So lots of different laborers. But God would not change my heart. God will not force you to follow him. He won't force anyone to follow him. But he will provide opportunities. I I tell people that um, I worked at a Chinese restaurant in many places I, I worked and many people witnessed different places, but there was a, a, a young lady, I don't remember her name, but she would witness to me, and at that time, I would be like, you're an idiot. There's one way? No, there's, look at all the different types of people and countries, and, and there's not just one way. You're, you're stupid. You're an idiot. And she would just keep going and going and going. And, and uh, I graduated from high school. I went to college. Uh, God hit me between uh, the, the eyes, you know, many times uh, with the gospel, and I got saved, and in, in college, I think Annabeth was, my wife, my current wife was actually there, and we were at a church, and this lady, this young lady was in the Moody, Moody Bible Institute choir, and was traveling around with churches, and she was singing, and I was like, that's so-and-so, I don't remember her name now, and so after the service, I went up and talked to her, and she said, you? You got saved? I can't believe it. You? And I'm like, yeah, thanks for witnessing to me. But God sent lots of different people in my life. He would not force me, but he kept sending laborers. So I want to encourage you to pray for laborers. Pray for boldness for those laborers. Uh, Pray for utterance. Pray for a door of utterance. Pray that you would speak as you ought And finally, pray that God would send you. That's how we should biblically pray. But I have so many people, God, just make them get saved. He's not going to do that. He is not a dictator. He will provide them opportunity and opportunity and opportunity. But he won't force them. So just know that God has you covered with the problem of fear, of what to say, open doors, And knowing how you ought to speak, he has that covered. But pray biblically and just watch what the Lord does when you trust him with that. Pat. Real good. What'd you think? Was that good? Yeah. I mean, I I like that. You know, um, that's the whole, that's really the whole thing that we've been talking about um, during this month about personal evangelism is, is having a heart change for God. And part of having a heart change is preparing ourselves and understanding how he works and how we need to fit in to what he's already working and doing. So, man, that was that was perfect. I like that that you broke that up in in um, you know, and I saw that too. And, and but but you went to Colossians four, and because we pray like in Ephesians six, um, 
for utterance to be given so that we may speak as we ought. And the way I look at that is, is the ability to just be able to talk to people in a way that the Holy Spirit can guide you as he guides them and he uses your open mouth to lead them in the direction to be able to draw them to the gospel or draw that out of them, that need for the gospel and to begin to know how to walk down that path really with the Holy Spirit. But that's utterance, okay? And that's an art into it into itself that's really it's it's the holy spirit's leading but jeremy's going to talk next week about conversation starters okay that'll be our last week and uh i mean really the whole month we've been just looking at the preparation but tonight um i want to focus I don't want you to feel shortchanged because we always think about the methods. And like Jeremy was talking about, what should I do? What should I say? And we make it so complicated that we think that um, sharing the gospel, in order to be able to do that, in order to overcome our fears, which we all have, we need to memorize a multitude of verses or um, have these complex illustrations. But tonight, I want to look at a simple way to just sell, uh, to share the gospel with your your friend or with your neighbor or whoever you've been praying for, right? Maybe with your family. Just that one-on-one, and it's more of like a door of utterance, like you were talking about. It's to get to the point to where now you know they're at the point, you've talked to them, you, you've maybe shared your testimony a little bit, But now you really need to put them face-to-face with the Word of God like Jeremy was talking about. And so tonight we're going to look at a very simple way to do that, the simplicity of sharing the gospel um, with one-verse evangelism. And we're going to look at the illustration. So if you all have your seats, I gave you two. So one of them will go through... And we'll illustrate and look at this one verse in Romans 6.23 and we'll go through it as you would if you were sitting down with that person and just looking at the word of God and breaking it up and exposing it for what it is, okay? So, um, and I gave you an extra one because after we get done, then we're going to break up and uh, perfect, we have two ladies so we can break up and then like one-on-one and, and share it with another person. Because it's really simple. It's real simple. And what we need to do is to begin to not only pray and prepare our heart, but just begin to um, look at simple ways to engage someone in the gospel without barraging them with verses. And I'm talking about somebody that's, that's open, that's ready, you've already started the conversation maybe you've met with them before and you get to that point where you need to sit down and and share the gospel with them in the most simplest way that's what this is perfect for so um this is just a simple way to share the conversation uh very visually and engage by asking questions engage the person's heart 
because that's what we're trying to do. That's what God is, is trying to do, is to get that person uh, at a point to where they, it can penetrate, the gospel can penetrate their heart. And um, it's easy to learn. This one verse evangelism is, is easy to learn because you're just, we're just working from one verse, Romans 6.23. There it is, and we're going to go over that and show a simple way to take a person through it and to lead them uh, in a very simple way. And the way you begin is whoever your neighbor is or your family member or your friend that you've been praying for or maybe somebody new comes up, you sit down with them. Let's say their name is Jeff or Jill if it's a lady, right? It's important to ask them, right? You ask Jeff, Jill, you say their name. It's really important that we say somebody's name, I think. It's really important that, first of all, we ask if we can share, even if you know, you know that they're open and they're already engaged, there's something that engages them in the gospel when you ask. We need to ask permission, right? And so it's important to do that. And then when you say their name, I mean, saying a person's name is something that they say, you know, it, it really shows the person that you're interested in them. Everybody likes hearing their name. And when somebody asks you a question, I mean, it's really important that you attach their name to it, right? Because you're attaching their person and you're engaging their heart. So you ask them if they'd like to see a simple picture based on one verse that can explain God's relationship with people. And then you write out this verse, Romans 6.23, uh, and it's back on the back side of your, your page. And, um, you know, you guys are pretty close. I want to, can we use the microphone, Ron? Sure. We have, you can turn that on. So let's use the microphone. And um, as we go through this, um, I want to make it engaging for you so you can begin to see how, it, how it's worked. We're not really doing it one-on-one, -on -one, but um, I want you to think about this as we go through it, because would somebody read that verse? Could you read it, Jeremy? Sure. Uh, Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Okay, very good. So what you would do is you're sitting down, you get to that point, you see the open door, and you ask the person, can I share, can I share with you, this with you? And they say yes. And um, you, you have your Bible, right? You open it to Romans 6.23. This is one of the best ways, I think, to engage somebody's heart in the Word of God. And you start to write Romans 6.23. You have your paper, Okay, you, you won't be using those papers. It's good to use that and maybe use it a number of times and, and just get comfortable with it. Make it your own. Make it personal. Um, but you'll, you'll probably have like a, a pad, a paper, or something like this. Does everybody have a pen? Pencil? Pen? Something? Okay. Do you need a pen? Oh, do you got a pen? Okay, perfect. Okay, so... Um, you turn the Bible and you say, hey, could you do me a favor? Could you read this to me real slow? So I'm going to write it out on this piece of paper. 
and could you help me out and read it real slow? And it gets the person, and I would think that they would be glad to, right? Because you're asking them to help, help out. It's engaging them in the word of God. And as they say it, you write it out, and then you take the Bible, and you put the pad between you. You, you, you move the Bible, you know, out of the way, and you, and you put the pad between it with that verse on it. And you're getting ready to expose this verse for what it really says, okay? And you're getting ready to engage them by asking questions, kind of like what Jesus did all the time. That's, that's what uh, the apostles did. They engaged people with questions, okay? So the first thing you do um, is you circle in that verse the word wages, okay? Circle that. And as you do... You say, what do you think about? You can, I can do it. You can, yeah. Um, you say, what do you think about when you see that word wages? What's the first thing that comes to your mind? Anybody? What? Paycheck. Paycheck, right? Okay. So what else? Wages. What other words? Value, I don't know. Value, okay. Value, yeah, that's good. Earnings, Earnings. very good. Very good, earnings, okay, because really that's what we want to get to the point because we 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 can think of wages in many ways, and those are all right, but it's something that we earn because the second word, and you want to circle this, is sin, so the so we, the wages of our, of sin, right? Circle that word. And what do you think about when you think of the word sin? This is a little more complicated, right? So you really want to engage them because this is one of the most important parts of this that we must realize, right? And you're not saying that to them, but but what do you think about when you think of the word sin? And you might get a lot of different answers, but they're probably all right. Evil. Evil. Disobeying God. Disobeying God. Okay. Anything else? Doing wrong. Doing wrong. Okay. Okay. So let me, yeah, those are all right. Um, Let me ask you this. I can't get my cursor to move the page. Because a lot of people are not uh, Bible literate. And so they may not even have a concept of what sin is. They may have heard it, but not fully understand. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's why you want to engage them, because you want them to talk about it. And, you know, all those things are right. And, but you want to, here's the thing that we, we know from, from the Bible that sin uh, is a lot of different things and we can do a lot of different actions and we get that in our mindset. You know, we think of murder or lying or, or stealing or, you know, extortion or all those things. And they all are, but the thing that we want them to understand on a personal level from where they're at is that. Sin is as much about an attitude as an action. 
right? It's as much an attitude as an action. They can either be actively fighting against God, and some people do that, and, but probably the person you're talking to, hopefully they're a little more broken or humble at that point, or they could be merely excluding God from their lives, right? He's not paying attention to him, not even realizing he's there, you know, and that's where a lot of people get, you know. So it's good for them to understand that it's both. It's an attitude as much as an action. Um, And then you can ask the question, has God ever seemed far away from you? Has God ever seemed far away? And, I mean, most people would say, yeah. I mean, how about, how about us? Can you remember when, when God seemed, like, very far away? You know? And we can still get to that point where he can be, you know, a little bit distant because we all have sin. So we all understand that, right? And so, of course, the person's going to say, yeah, if they really think about it, you know, of course, if they're lost... Sure, God seems far away. I mean, I can't see him. I don't, you know. And so we need to add that that's one of the things that this word sin does. It makes God seem very distant or unreal. He doesn't seem real in our life or tangible. He seems far away. And, you know, and wait for the response. You know, talk about it a little bit. And then the next thing you want to do, it leads right into this next word, death. You want to circle that and, uh, <clears throat> and ask him, what comes, what comes to mind? What thoughts come to mind when you think of death? Okay, that's a little bit easier, but the end. Yeah, the end. The end of what? Of your life. End of life. Yeah, that's what most people would say. They would look, of course, they can't see beyond, you know, the death of the body. And uh, so they think of the end of life. But here's where you would explain to them that in, in the Bible, death is always some sort of separation, right? It's either separation of the soul from the body that they're talking about at death. And then what's beyond that? You know, I don't know. You know, you can engage them. You know, how, how can you know? Well, that's good. You get them thinking, and you're starting to lead them to, toward the, the gospel, the good news. Because the next word here is the word but. And you want to underline that word. Because but is always significant for, uh, it means a contrast. It's a, it's a, it's showing that the words before the but, these words that we circled, are in direct contrast to the words coming after that. Okay, so we got some really bad news there, don't you think? That's really bad news. Yeah, that's really bad news. Okay, now we want to give you the good news. It says, but the gift. And you want to circle that word gift, okay? So you ask them, oh, what do you think about when, you know, uh, if, if uh, wages are something that you earn, what do you think about 
when you see the word gift? If it's in contrast, right? What do you think? If wages are something you earn, what is a gift? Yeah. Something you get for nothing. Something that's free, right? It's a free gift, right? Unearned, I think is what. What what did you say? Unearned, I think. Unearned. Yeah, unearned. It's the opposite. It's it's unearned or it's it's free. And that's the thing. But you know what is so cool about this? There the gift that we're talking about is a special gift. It's the gift of God. And it's so special that only God can give this gift. The gift we're talking about. And hopefully, you know, that is enough to draw somebody in. It would draw anybody in. Yeah, okay. I want to know. I want to know about this gift, right? And then, what is that gift? It says the gift of God is eternal life. So you want to circle that, right? And if, if death is separation from God, either physically or spiritually for eternity, then what do you think eternal life is about? What would you say? If you contrast those two steps, those two words, what would you say? Life after death? Life, yeah. Yeah, that's good. You see, we have death. And here's where you want to draw two opposing cliffs. And you want to put death on one side. I already drew this uh, beforehand. But you want to draw two opposing cliffs. And then you want to have, you know, you might put the person that you're talking to. Put a person on that, you know, because you're telling them how... God wants to have, you know, what God did so that we can know him, so that we can have a personal relationship with him. You see, there's this gap of, of death that separates us because of our sin from eternal life. And if death is that separation and that eternal separation, then eternal life is, what do you think of? If it's the opposite of separation, what is the opposite of separation? Connection, yeah. uniting. Connection or uniting? Absolutely. Togetherness, right? Togetherness, right. All those are right. It's, it's being, it's that closeness that we can experience with God not only, not only in the uh, after we die, after life, it's that closeness, that connection that we can have with God right now. You know, and, and, and you might ask him, you know, all those are true, but you know what's really cool? You know what God did for you and did for me? And this is the time where, where when you ask them that, you know, they may say something like, you know, I've heard people say, well, he sent Jesus, or he, or he sent, you know, or he, he died for me. Or, you know, people will say those things, but not really totally understanding them. But you ask them what he did for you so that you could be forgiven of your sin and united with him. 
And then when you do that, when you say that, it's good to illustrate that with the cross. Because you see, the cross bridges that gap from death to eternal life. And you show them that. That uh, what happened when Jesus Christ came, uh, he bridged the gap of the separation of those two cliffs, that, that separation that divides us from God, that our sin caused. And we talk about how Jesus took on flesh and he lived a sinless life as a man. This is where you explain the gospel really to them. You know, that he was, he was God that took upon himself flesh. He became a man. He became a, a sinless, perfect man. And then he took our sin on the cross to pay the penalty for our wages that we earned for our sin. And then, not only that, but he rose three days later and he proved that he was God and that he could offer us the power over sin and over death so that we could be connected together with God here and now and for eternity, you see? And every gift has a giver, right? This gift was so special it was given by God. But we got to see, the the thing that we want to explain is that only Jesus Christ could give us this gift, right? Because he paid the penalty for our sin. But in order to do that, we have to make him our Lord, right? And then you want to maybe write the word trust, right? So how do, you, how do you receive him? How do you receive eternal life? Well, it's a relationship. Any relationship that you have, it has to be a, a trusting relationship, a trusting friendship. And that's what Jesus offers to you and me, a relationship. It's built on trust. We trust him and what he did on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins, something that we could never do. We could never receive from anyone else but through Jesus Christ. And in trusting him, it says we make him our Lord, right? And in order to do that, we must trust him and follow him. And then in trusting him, Jesus wants to forgive us and he wants to forgive them, you say, wants to forgive you for rejecting him uh, from your life. And all you have to do, what you have to do, is admit that you're responsible for the sin, the wages of the sin that separated you. And either fighting from God, or fighting God, you know, uh, uh, fighting God uh, or excluding God from your life, and accept Jesus as the Lord of your life for what he did for you. And you can do that. When you get to that point, it's simple. And this is the part that we talk about sharing the gospel. There's one thing to pray for boldness, but you get to that point, and you finally come to the, to the end, um, and you have to ask the question, you know, uh, what do you think about that? You know, what, what do you think about what he did for you? Well, man, I think that's really great, you know. And I think that, that they may say all kinds of things. But that's the point 
where you say, okay, what do you think about asking him to be your Lord? Because each one of us have to do that individually. And you come to that point, and you ask him. You might even share with him. I, ha- I put a prayer down there um, um, that it's really just uh, asking him, Jesus, for forgiveness for his sin. And, and, and it's a short, simple prayer. I put it Romans 10, 9, and 10 prayer. But, um, and you can read through that. You may want to personalize that. But you're just telling them simply what you know that the gospel says, what you did when you prayed for salvation, okay? And you ask them if they would like to do that. It's so important because I think that's probably, man, you get to that point, you're sharing the gospel and you're going through it and you're nervous and everything and, and it can be, you get to that point and they're engaging, it's like Jeremy talked about, and I've been there, somebody goes on a rabbit trail or something for a little while, try to lead them back, and uh, try to answer their questions, try to be patient, um, but um, I forgot what you said, I was going to say something that you said that was perfect, and then I just, it slipped my mind, but um, it's important for us to get to that point where we, we ask. You know, we ask him, okay, would you like, would you like to, to pray with, would you like to ask him to come into your life and receive that gift? It's important for us to do that because that's where we really need the boldness to that, that door of utterance. We need, to, we need to walk through it with boldness and ask the person. If they're at that point, that's when it's time to really be bold, right? If you've taken it through, and you can tell, I mean, if they're answering all that, if they're engaging, then the door is probably, probably open. You can tell. If it's not, they won't be engaging. They won't be, yeah, you know, yeah, I believe that, or I trust that. Or, but if you get to the end and they want to think about it, they want to talk about it more, that's great. Keep the conversation going. Either way, if they accept Christ and they pray, or whether they say, I want to think about it, I want to talk about it, I'm not really sure, that's, that's really good. You ask them, that, that's fantastic. This is, a, this is a big decision, and uh, would you like to talk about it more? And you try to set a time that you can get together and keep the conversation going. Either way, if they get saved, then you know what? It's like having a baby. You don't leave them out there to fend for themselves, right? We're responsible. We're entrusted with the gospel. So we try to give them a Bible. We try to meet with them. We try to invite them to church. We try to, you know, help them to grow in any way that we can because we're responsible, right? So anyway, does anybody have any questions about that? Oh, yeah, good point. Yes, you could do that with a multitude of other verses that you feel maybe comfortable with. John 1.12, you know, but as many as received him, gave he power to become the sons of God. 16, John 14.6. So you can definitely use this, but it's just exposing the word, and it's a way to do it. So Right, yeah, it's simple, but it, it really... It, it, 
it gets the person to engage in the process with the Holy Spirit, mm -hmm. and it allows the Holy Spirit to begin to prick their conscience and the Word to do its work. That's what you said. Let the Word do its work, right? right? Let the Holy Spirit do its job, his job. Won't return void, we know, right, from Isaiah. So it, it will bear fruit in right. some way, some fashion. Right. And the other thing is, is like we're talking about here over the four weeks, preparing our heart, it will bear fruit in our lives mm -hmm. because that's what God has called us to do. And man, it's like Jeremy was, that's what I was thinking about. I think that, you, you know, going door to door, I, I'm just the same way. I'm like, you know, and, and sometimes, you know, go, you know, sharing the gospel in different ways, you know, but especially door to door, it's like, it's really hard. But if you prepare, if you pray, if you expect God to do some things, man, he always comes through. And then when you do it, it's like, man, this is great. This is what he created us to do. There's no greater thing than sharing the gospel and seeing people engage with it, you know, especially if they get saved. There's, there's, no, uh, there's no greater thing that we can do. And it changes our heart, just engaging in it, just being willing to do it. It changes our heart more than anything. Okay, so could we break up? If you guys don't have any questions, could we break up, you know, and just do like one-on-one -on -one and like take, take one person, take them through it and try to, try to just do it real fast and uh, um, just go through it and then uh, we'll get back together and we'll pray when we get done or if you have any questions or it's really just getting kind of, yeah, I get those out. It's really just getting used to doing it, and um, it, it'll probably be a lot easier for you to go through it, and you'll go through it more quickly than I just did because, you know, we're a bigger group. And so, verse in Leviticus. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> could could be. But. <laughs>